Okay, what am I doing here? I'm preaching. That's what we're doing here. We're preaching. All right, let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we need your guidance, Father. We need your love. And so we pray that you would guide us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, for those of you that are just joining us, we're in the book of 1 Samuel. We've been there for a year. Catch up. Verse uh, chapter 27, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. Then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath, and he and his men, each man with his household, and David with the two wives, those two ones, and Abigail and the other one, and Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had, can you say those names? You can't. And fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. And David said to Achish, I have now found favor in your eyes. Let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Kish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. It's a long time. He was there for a year and four months. And David and his men went up and raided the, those guys and the other guys and the Amalekites. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. Whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive. But took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. Then Achish would say, Where have you made a raid today? And David would say, Against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area of the, those guys, or against the southern area of the Kenites. David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, Lest they should inform us of saying, Thus David did. And thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, He has made his people Israel utterly abhor him, therefore he will be my servant forever. Uh, chapter 28. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, You assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. So David said to Achish, Surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. So what's going on in this story, man? It's a very, and, and let me give you some context. If, you don't, if you're new here, and please come back. We want you to be a part of faith and victory. Um, uh, quick quick learn. King Saul is the king of Israel. King uh, David is supposed to be king, and we've been walking through this process of Saul chasing after David, David running after David. Just last week, we were talking about how uh, David had a chance to kill the guy that was pursuing him, and Saul didn't pursue him and said, I'm not going to pursue you. So this is like immediately after this time where David had a chance to kill Saul. Saul didn't kill, Saul said to David, you had a chance to kill me, you didn't kill me. I'm not going to come after you anymore. And then David goes on on a bender and completely goes the, the, the wrong direction. I mean, if you're listening to this story and you pay close attention, um, you can see that, like, okay, this guy's supposed to be king, but he leaves and he goes to the king of Gath, Achish, and he takes up residence with him, and th- he's with the Philistines, or he's with the Amalekites, or the Philistines, and he shouldn't be there. 
Because those guys are the enemies of Israel. And so he leaves from being in a good place to going and joining with the enemy. And then once that happens, a lot of bad stuff starts happening. He goes out and does these raids. He kills men and women. He kills animals. He steals their stuff. And then he comes back to this king. And they're like, where have you been? And he's like, uh, I was out attacking my own people. I was attacking the southern area of Judah. I was, you know, that's what I was doing. The guy's like, it's like a Star Wars movie. He's like, yes, yes. Let the hate flow through you. Like, it's literally like that kind of moment. So then it goes so far that now this other king looks at David and is like, you want know this is a guy that we can use because we're going to go to war with Israel. And that's where the end of the story is, where David goes from like going to be king of Israel, going to not kill King Saul, and in very quick time completely destroys all of it, goes with the enemy, does bad things, joins up with them, becomes a servant of a king that worships false gods. Destroyed. And so you look at that story and I think, you know what, man? There's been some times in my life when I've done some bad things and I've completely destroyed that which I shouldn't have done. Anybody else? And so you end up in this place in your mind, your body, or your actions, and you think to yourself once you're there, and you're just like, how did I end up in this place? How, how is it that, I mean, even while I was a Christian, stuff like that happens. I'm like, how does that happen? Like, how, wouldn't, and, and if you're anything like me, you, you think about these things in your life where you go back and you're like, man, that day or week was a pivotal moment in my life where I could have made a different decision and my life could have gone a different direction. Anything yeah. else? Yeah. And you wish you could go back to that place and make a different decision. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we could know what we should have done before destruction came? Wouldn't it be great if the Bible had secrets to tell us, to say, you know what, there's actually a plan that God has that you can actually stop destruction before it happens. And in this story, what we see with David is it's, it's, it's hidden. It's a nugget in there. We've got to peek a little bit. But what we're going to see is that it is, it is actually possible to stop destruction before it happens. How many of you would like to know how to do that? Amen? It's found right there in uh, chapter 27, right in the beginning. In verse 1, it says, six little words, And David said in his heart, Leave that up there. And David said in his heart. All of these other things, we're going to talk about those in a few moments, but the beginning of David's destruction didn't happen because somebody else did something to him. It wasn't because he was was under the control or influence of anybody else. It started with David. It started within himself when he said in his heart. When you look at the destruction that happened in our lives, oftentimes, if we were honest, we would know that it started with the heart. See, what had happened is that David had internalized destruction. He had internalized destruction. He was thinking things outwardly, but he brought it inside of his heart and internalized that destruction. Folks, the heart is the core of our being. Its, its importance cannot be understated. It's everything. And when David spoke to himself, he internalized it. He made it part of who he was. It's interesting. He didn't say it to God. He didn't say it to his friends. He didn't tell anybody else. He just told it to himself deep down inside of his heart. And he spoke some pretty bad stuff to himself, which we're going to get into in just a moment. But let's focus on the heart part to start. That rhymed. He just said it to himself. 
Now let me say this, and I, you know, in this day and age, I always have to have some sort of disclaimer. Here's the disclaimer. We're not talking about positive self-talk. This isn't a self-esteem, pep-you-up type of talk, okay? You're a vile sinner that needed a savior. There's your pep talk, all right? It's not that kind of thing. We're, we're talking about what the Bible says. Because David was speaking a certain kind of way to himself, because he, he wasn't paying attention to how, how he spoke to his heart was going to affect the outcomes of his life. It's going to lead to destruction. And in this moment, the heart is the, the, the spark of the fire that's going to lead to the destruction of his life. Folks, the heart is vitally important to a believer in Jesus Christ. It's vitally important. You've got to watch your heart. You've got to guard your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. you got to keep your heart with diligence. You, you can't take an afternoon off with your heart. If you don't guard that thing all day, every day, it will lead you into passive destruction. Think about this. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart... One believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Your salvation started in your heart. At the end of this sermon, I'm going to ask you here, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you want to become a Christian, there's going to be a stirring in your heart. There's going to be a part of your heart that's going to rise up and you're like, oh my gosh, I actually believe this. This is who I really am. This is who I'm supposed to be. It's going to start in your heart. And then we think that the heart's not that important after we've been saved. The same heart that leads you to salvation is the same heart that can lead you to destruction. You've got to guard it. Watch what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7 verse 21. From within, this is Jesus speaking, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, Thefts, covetedness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Where does it start? In the heart. The heart is vitally important. What David was doing was creating a situation where what he was speaking to his heart was going to create destruction because he didn't guard it. All the bad stuff in David's life had a starting point. And the starting point was when he started speaking to himself a certain kind of way. Speaking about destruction, lies, despair, negativity, bad stuff all around. And what did it do? It produced bad actions in his life because he didn't guard his heart. I want to tell you guys a story that... um, uh, small towns are, are, are different than big towns and that small towns, uh, everybody knows everybody, right? If you live in a small town, everybody knows everybody. And in this certain small town, um, there was a, a, a female that, for whatever reason, she was bent on destroying marriages and men through offering herself to men, if you catch my drift. Yes? There's some kids in the room. I can spell it out. All you parents would be like, yes, we get it. Okay? And so, because it was a small town, the, the, the dad had watched this. Like, he had a son, and he watched it, and he knew. He was like, you know what? I've seen what happens to men that fall prey to this woman, and it's not good. And so uh, the, the dad did everything that he could to tell his son, like, you know what? Stay away. 
If you, if, you, if you don't stay away from her, it's going to cost you everything because I've watched what happens to men who don't guard their hearts and pay attention to what's going on around them. In Proverbs chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, we can actually see what this father says to his son because it's in the Bible. And he says this, he says, Now therefore listen to me, my children, pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. He didn't say watch your actions. He said watch your heart. Do not stray in her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who slain by her were strong men. Even strong men were slain by her. Why? Because they did not guard their heart. He goes so far as to tell his son in verse 27, Her house is the way to hell, descending into the chambers of, de- uh, the chambers of death. Folks, do you not realize that this salvation thing is a hell or heaven issue? Yes. And, and, and people always say, oh, you know, it's never going to happen to me. Folks, I've been pastoring for 16 years, almost 30 years that, that I've been a Christian. And I will tell you, I've seen many people fall into the path of destruction. And thrown away everything. Marriages, jobs, salvation. Thrown it all away because they didn't guard their heart. They said, oh, well, this won't affect me. Ah, It won't be that bad. But that destruction finds a way in through the heart. Thoughts turn into desires. Desires turn into actions. What does it mean to you? Guard your heart. What you put in it. What you speak to it. Think about how it affects your spiritual life. Because this is, this is a principle of God that's been around for thousands of years. Deuteronomy 4.9 Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself. Lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. Lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And teach them to your children and your grandchildren. I've seen many Christian people that fall into destruction. And they forget the times that God saved them. That God set them free. That God healed them. That God provided for them. That God did things in their lives. They didn't guard their heart. They forgot and they departed from the things of God. This takes practice and focus. Do you realize that you choose what you dwell on? No one chooses what you dwell on. You, sometimes you're anything like me. Sometimes you'll get a thought in there that goes, Pew, and you're like, oh my gosh, where did that thing come from? None of you? Come on, man. You guys are like gumdrops and lollipops. That's all I think about every day. I'll be just like driving along and this thought will go in my head. And I'm like, what? where did that come from? Can I get a witness? And in that moment, you have a choice. Wow. Ooh, let's stoke these fires and stand by and get warm by them. It's a good thought. And you just drifting away, driving away. Instead of in that moment saying, you know what? That thought's not of God. I'm not going to speak that. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to choose to think about it. I don't know, kittens and fluffy clouds or something. You know what I mean? The Bible makes it very clear in Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's what it says. Meditate on these things. I heard another story 
of a guy um, that the, the Spirit of the Lord had told him to sell something and give the money for the spread of the gospel. Now, I don't know if you guys ever had that experience where God will tell you to sell something and give the money uh, for the spread of the gospel or, or God will tell you to give some money to somebody. Have you guys ever had this experience before? Nobody. Okay, we'll get into prayer. God will tell you. Because um, I've had the experience many times where money will come into my hand and then the Lord will say, hey, give this money away. And, and I'm, I'm, I usually kind of talk it away. and be like, there's no way it's God. And so then God wakes Crystal up in the middle of the night and is just like, hey, I think we should give this away. And I'm like, I don't know. Anybody else? God will give me a number. Give this person this amount of money. And then whatever that number is, I half it in my brain. And then I'm like, that's got to be the number. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to my wife. And it's like, hey, do you think God's asking us to do this? And then I'm like, dear headlights, like, what do you mean? And then she's like, I think we're supposed to give X. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know? Because the Holy Spirit's right on time. So anyway, this guy, he had a piece of land. And uh, the Lord told him to sell it and, you know, give the money for the furtherance of the gospel. And what happened was, is the piece of land sold for more than he thought it was going to sell. In his mind, he thought like, okay, it's going to sell for this. I'm going to give God X. But then he sold the land and it actually sold for more than he expected to. So he did what most people do. They're like, well, I'm going to hold that back for me because, you know, it was my land in the first place. And then, uh, you know, give God the the part that I thought it was going to be in the first place. What happened to that guy was interesting. He died. Uh, he died right after the land deal closed. Um, and Peter actually called this guy out in Acts chapter 5 and told him that this thing that happened where he lied to God happened in his heart. In Acts chapter 5 verse 4 it says, While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men but to God. Folks, don't underestimate your heart. What what, what you will think about will manifest in your life. It will. Jesus knew it. Matthew 9, 4. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Uh, Marcus Ford preached a fantastic message on uh, Wednesday night. (laughs) Call you like, Amen! (laughs) Biggest clap I've got all morning for her husband. For her husband. And it was funny because Marcus talked about on Wednesday that Jesus would preach and change his message based on the thoughts of the people that were listening. It would change the way you listen to sermons. Oh, look, brother, so-and-so's mind has wandered. Let's talk about that. You'd be like, oh my gosh, clear the mind, clear the mind. I was like, streams, rivers, valleys, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. You'd stop thinking those evil thoughts. When's this guy going to finish? Come on, Jesus. Oh, you want me to finish? Sermon just doubled in length. <laughs> Luke nine forty seven. And Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart. Mark chapter 7, verse 21. Let's look at it again. From within, out of the out of the heart of men. That's where it starts. You, you, and, and, and some of you know this. Some of you have forgot this. And some of you, you're like getting this huge revelation. You're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is a huge deal. I need to start guarding my heart. And you do. It doesn't matter how long you've been serving God. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter. The heart is deceitfully wicked. And if you do not control it, it will lead you into destruction. And I will tell you, man, if you're seeing destruction in your life, it's probably because you're not guarding your heart. Yeah. 
Many of you, myself included, will plan our destruction long before it happens because it starts in our heart. Some of you have already planned on that bowl of ice cream tonight. Shame the devil, tell the truth. Who's already thought about it? Yeah. We're kind of out. We got to stop by the stove, pick some up. It's It's in my heart. It's in my heart to have that ice cream. So what were the inputs of David's heart? Yeah, excuse me. What were the inputs of David's heart? Luckily, um, the, not luckily, but serendipitously, the Bible shows it to us in, in chapter 27, verse 1. Watch this. And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the heart of Saul. The first thing that happened in Dave's heart, uh, David's heart is that he forgot God's promises. He forgot God's promises. What happened? Did, did he forget about what happened in 1 Samuel 16? Did he not have his pocket Old Testament with him? Could he not, could he not see? In 1 Samuel 16, verses uh, 12 through 13, it says, And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him down, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes, talking about David, and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Did David forget the day that he was anointed to be the next king of Israel? How did he forget that? Did he forget about what happened in 1 Samuel 25 when Abigail came to encourage him when he was in despair? Verse 30, And it shall come to pass, David, when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel. How do you forget? Man, I'm going to be king one day. I'm going to rule this place, man. I'm not going to fall into despair. I'm not going to allow the evil one to pull my brain in some sort of way. No, I'm not going to do that. Here's what happened with David. He had just had victory and forgot the promises of God. He ended up with, Saul is going to kill me one day. How, how do you go from, like just last week, 1 Samuel 26, 21. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will harm you no more. Saul just said that to David. A few moments later, David's like, Saul's going to kill me. How does that happen? I'll tell you how that happens. When the preaching doesn't make it past the parking lot. You're fired up, believing the promises of God, and you step out back into the world and you forget to guard your heart. Secondly, he took up with the enemy. He said to himself, inside of his heart, there's nothing better for me than I should escape. There's nothing better for you. Seriously, you're the same guy that took out Goliath. You're the same guy that killed lions and bears. You're the same guy that was in the cave writing songs. And now you've got to this point where you're like, you know what, man, there's nothing better for me. I, I, I got to get out of here. I, I, I got to run. I got to escape. And then where does he escape? He doesn't even escape to somewhere alone again like he's done in the past. He goes to the idol worshiping Philistines. Yeah. Nothing better for you? You don't want to stay with your people? You don't want to stay with the nation of God? You want to go with these idol-worshiping Philistines? No. He deserts in God's people and goes to the enemy instead. I don't know if you know this, church, but God does not like it one bit when you love things that aren't of Him. The, 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 the first commandment was, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
God is a jealous God. He wants nothing or no one or anything to be above uh, him in your heart or in your actions. Nothing. And if you have anything in your heart or in your actions above God, it's idolatry. It's idol worship. It may not look like a golden calf, but it is idol worship because you're loving that thing and desiring that thing more than you're desiring God and his things. And this is what happened to David. He went away and he went with the enemy. The Bible says in Jeremiah 3.20, Surely as a wife treacherously departs from her husband, so have you dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, says the Lord. When, when, when we act against God, God in turn looks at us and says, You want, it's just like you've committed adultery on me. And anybody who's married or even esteems marriage would say adultery is bad. But, but we, do, we commit spiritual fornication and adultery on God in our hearts when we go and love something or worship something more than we love and worship Him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.21, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. This dual nature like, hey, I'm a Christian in the morning on Sundays, but the rest of the week belongs to me is alive from the pit of hell. It doesn't exist, man. Either you're with Jesus 365, 24-7, or you're not. And you can't play like, well, I'm just going to sip from the cup of demons and it'll be all right. It doesn't work that way, man. You take up camp with the enemy, it will lead to destruction. So uh, David starts... And he uh, forgets the promises. He takes up the enemy. And so after he forgets the promise, he takes up the enemy. This is what it produces. And, and whenever you forget the promises, you take up the enemy. This is what it also always produces. It produces lies. He tells himself lies. He says, Saul will despair of me. David, you ding dong. It's, Saul's not in despair. You are. Saul just got down telling you he wasn't going to kill you and he wasn't going to destroy you, but you fell into the devil's trap and now you're telling yourself lies. Saul's going to be so upset that I'm not around. He's moved on, bro. He's not even, he's moved on to bigger and better things. He already told you he wasn't going to kill you. uh, Saul doesn't care one bit about what's going on with you. You're telling yourself something to justify your own immoral actions, David. Romans 125, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. But this is what the despaired mind does. After you forgot the promises and you go into the enemy, the mind makes stuff up in its brain that it believes to be true that just aren't true at all. And many a Christian falls prey to this. And the path to destruction starts again in the heart. It starts in the heart. You forget the promises of God. You go and you spend time with the enemy. And then after you've spent time with the enemy, it manifests itself with lies that you tell yourself that just aren't true. Lies that would be things like, God looks past my sin and he doesn't care. Lies that say, you know what, that church doesn't like me. I can't go back. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God can't forgive me. That's a lie. That pastor hates me. That's a lie. I'm not welcome there. That's a lie. But you get these things worked up in your head and you create these scenarios of like, oh, well, this is what happened and that's what happened and everybody's looking at me and everybody's thinking about you. Nobody is despairing. You're in despair. Come back, man. Come back and be a part of what God is doing. But don't tell yourself these lies that are not from God. 
The lies are in your head because you've separated yourself from God. You've been with the enemy. You forgot the promises of God. How many of us have ended up in destruction, looked back and thought, how did I get here? Oh my gosh. As I get older, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to notice a trend. And so how do we not end up there? And if you, if you haven't been listening, this is the... This, is, this will be on the test, okay? So what do we do? How do we stop destruction before it comes? I will tell you, start filling your heart now with good things. Before destruction, focus on God's promises. Fill your heart with the promises of God. This is why I so deeply advocate listening to the preaching of the word. People say, well, I'm not going through anything right now. I don't need it. I'll wait until I need it and then I'll have it. Man, fill yourself up now. Hold on to the promises of God now. You never know when you're going to need to draw on those things. Tell yourself, God will be faithful to me. God is merciful and gracious. He's abounding in love. Tell yourself, God will save me. I'm not a slave to sin. I've been crucified with Christ. Tell yourself, God will be with me. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. I'm going to make it. God will control it. He'll make it right. God reigns over the nations. He rests on the throne. God can take care of this issue in my life. Tell yourself, God will forgive me because I've confessed my sins. I've given my life to Jesus. God is a God of forgiveness. Tell yourself, God will work it for good. I know He will because His Word says God works all things together for good. Tell yourself, God has prepared a place for me. I know He has. Jesus said it. There's a place in glory that God has prepared for me. Tell yourself, God will rebuke the devil for my sake. I put God first. God takes care of me. I know it to be true. The inputs of your life will guard you from destruction. Remember the promises of God. Write them on your walls. Write them on your door frames. Talk with them with your children as you go along the way. That's what the Bible says. Before destruction, don't fall into despair. Haven't you learned the devil's plan already? As soon as you have a victory, uh, a victory, the devil comes knocking. Has anybody else noticed that? Man, you could be in church and we're like, woo, you know what I mean? And then you get in the car and you start fighting with your spouse. Right after the spirit moves. Go to a retreat, men's or women's retreat, youth retreat. You're high on the Jesus juice. You're super excited. And then boom, Satan comes and tries to destroy and take away every last thing that God spoke into your heart. He's, he, he, de- the devil is not that smart. He always does the same thing, right? Can we be smart enough to prepare ourselves and protect ourselves from despair before it gets there? This is what happens. Notice it and attack it. Don't cultivate it. David had just had a great victory. Saul had stopped chasing him. Things stopped going wrong and then he fell into despair. Matthew chapter 13, there was some seed that fell on stony ground and immediately Satan came and tried to sweep it up. And I'll be honest with you, I find in my own life, the worst possible days for me start immediately after church on Sundays and carry off into Mondays. Like, don't see me on Mondays. Like, 
I, like, Chris will tell you, it happens all the time, man. I'll wake up on Monday and I'm just kind of shuffling my feet around. I'm like, dude, I suck at being a preacher and everybody hates me and I should quit. Like, this is worthless. Like, it, literally, it happens like more Mondays than not. Why? Because Satan does not want me to walk in the power of the Lord. He wants to do everything he can to destroy me. And, and, and anybody who's ever preached a message or shared a Bible study and felt like God had used you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll walk away and you're like, that wasn't God. And that wasn't... And it's funny, Crystal will preach on a Sunday. I got the day off. Monday, I'm like, whoop! Monday, she's like, I feel like everybody hates me. That wasn't a good preach. I'm worthless. It happens all the time. Because Satan comes immediately. You've got to guard yourself from despair. Before destruction, don't take up with the enemy. Don't take up with the enemy. You know there's nothing good there. Why why are you going to go to a place that you know that Jesus isn't there? Why are you going to spend time with somebody that's trying to destroy you spiritually? Why are you going to put things in your eyes, in your ears, and in your body that you know are going to destroy you? Do not take up residence with the enemy. Don't agree with it. Don't get involved with it. Don't make friends with it. Have nothing to do with them. Separate yourself from those who aren't following God. The Bible is very clear that we should separate ourselves from the world. 2 Thessalonians 3.14 And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Now, mind you, I'm not saying that you shouldn't evangelize to them. No, we got to be friends with everybody, but we have to be friendly with everybody. We don't have to be friends with everybody. Right? I'm going to minister to you. I'm going to love on you. I'll spend time with you, but you are not coming into my heart if you don't know Jesus. There's no space for you in there. I want to fellowship and love those people that are fully submitted to Christ. The Bible says in James 4, 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And finally, this is my last point, and then we're going to go. Before destruction, do not tell yourself lies. Tell yourself truth. As soon as that lie comes into your head, talk to your brother, sister in the Lord. Talk to your spouse and say, you know what, man, I got this lie going around inside of my head. I just need to talk about it. I need to get it out because I know it's not of God. I need to get this out so I don't begin to believe this lie. And your brother or sister in the Lord will say, man, don't believe that, man. That's not of God. Don't, don't give in to those lies. Don't begin to believe those things. You're loved. You're forgiven. God, God's got a plan for you. There's great things that are going to happen in your life. Don't fall into those lies. Some of you know that your heart needs to, get, needs to come towards Jesus today and you're telling yourself a lie that God cannot receive you, that God cannot forgive you, and that you're too far gone. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God wants you today. He wants you to become his follower. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you've never, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. And it's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you're giving your life to Jesus or you haven't. And if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus before, you've never given your heart to him, we want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And it's really, again, you just have to say, you know what, I'm not walking with God. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to live for Jesus. And if you need to do that for the very first time today, I don't want you to miss this moment. I don't want you to miss this opportunity. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We want to walk with you through this life together. 
If you want to make a declaration to serve Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the very first time? Hand held high. Thank you, Jesus. Secondly, if you're here this morning, you've been far from God. And when I say far from God, I'm not talking about a bad week or a bad weekend. You knew the truth. You were walking in the truth. But you have gotten so far away. You don't recognize yourself. And you've been in the enemy's camp. And you've been asking, Lord, Lord, how do I get out of the enemy's camp? How do I come back to you? Friend, all you have to do is turn around. He's right there. He's right behind you. You've just turned your back and now you need to turn back to God and say, Lord, uh, receive me once again and, and then your loving Father will receive you into his arms. He'll embrace you and love you. He loved you when you were his enemy. How much more so now that you're his son? How much more so now that you're his daughter? If you need to rededicate your life to Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I've been far, but I want to come back home. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Don't let this moment pass. Now you know how we do it. I want you to come up here and receive some prayer. I know it's weird to walk into the front of the room, but it's a, it's a moment in your life where you're symbolically walking away from those things and walking towards God. God does powerful things when we step out of our comfort zone. Would you guys stand with me this morning? Stay in a spirit of prayer. Every, every eye closed, every head bowed. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever the Lord spoke to you this morning, don't let it leave the parking lot. Take it home with you. Father, we thank you that you're a God that shows us <laughs> how things go sideways in our life, God. We pray today, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would help us to keep our hearts. Father, we, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would guard our hearts from destruction, that we would watch what we think and where we go and the lies that come in when we get away from you, Lord. Guard our hearts this morning, Jesus. Let us stay in your grace and mercy. Praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, remember to get your kids right away, then hang out in fellowship.